the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God, Amen. Tonight, we will study together chapter 16, which is the last chapter from the first letter of St. Paul to Corinthians. Actually, in this chapter, in the first four verses, In the first four verses, St. Paul discusses the connections for the saints, or the contributions for the saints. The saints here are the needy and the poor. That's how the Bible describes them. He then writes briefly of his plans to see them. And also, he made few comments about Timothy and Apollos. Then the last part of the chapter was his final exhortation and greetings, which were marked with a tone of love. The need to love one another, warning to love the Lord, and also a declaration of his love for them. So he concluded by speaking about how important to love one another, and warning to love the Lord Jesus Christ, and a declaration of his love for them. Let's start reading the chapter verse by verse. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. The collection for the poor saints at Jerusalem is referred to more than once in the book of Acts. We read, for example, that there was a famine or a great shortage came upon the land. We read about it in Acts chapter 11 from verse 28 to verse 30. Also, as you know, the church at Jerusalem was exposed to great persecution. That's why the church at Jerusalem had been impoverished by the persecutions which followed. That's why the churches outside Jerusalem started to collect money to send it to the mother church in Jerusalem during this difficult time and also for the poor and the needy in Jerusalem. And actually there is a big lesson for us here, especially we who left Egypt and immigrated to America. We should not forget our brethren the needy in Egypt, and as it happened during the time of St. Paul, also we should pay attention to the needs of the poor there, and it is our responsibility to help them and to support them. And it is clear from verse 1 that St. Paul had given orders to the churches of Galatia about collecting money and sending this money 
to Jerusalem. But unfortunately, his directions to the churches of Galatia on this subject have not been preserved to us. And also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9, there is a reference to a lost letter to the church of Corinth. Lost letter written by St. Paul to the church uh, of Corinth, which we can conclude that all the writings of St. Paul, unfortunately, have not come to us. All the writings of St. Paul, unfortunately, have not come down to us. Verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. St. Paul here is saying on the first day of the week, the first day of the week is Sunday, which means that the church during the time of St. Paul regarded Sunday as the Lord's Day. And also in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, we read that the church assembled on the first day of the week to break bread, which is communion. So the church understood that the Sabbath of the Lord, and by the way, the word Sabbath means rest. So the Sabbath of the Lord is the day of his resurrection. That's why the church replaced the seventh day with the first day. Unfortunately, until today, there is a denomination celebrate the day of the Lord as the seventh day. And actually, they call themselves the Seventh-day Adventists. They should actually read and study Acts chapter 20 and 1 Corinthians chapter 16 in order to know that the church, since the time of St. Paul, understood that the day of the Lord, the rest of the Lord, the Sabbath of the Lord, is Sunday, the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week, because this is the day of the resurrection. On the first day of the week, let each one of you, so each one should participate in donating and contributing. And in many families, for example, the father or the husband is the one who is responsible of paying the tithes. But if we understand this verse correctly, everybody, let each one of you, should contribute. That's why I hope that we can apply this commandment in our life. And each one, the husband, the wife, the children, each one should take the blessing. As in all other practices, for example, the father does not fast on behalf of the whole family. The father does not pray on behalf of the whole family. 
But each person in the family prays, each person in the family uh, fasts. In the same way, each person in the family should also participate in uh, fighting and in, in contribution and donating in the church. And also it is our responsibility as parents to teach the children how to contribute and how to donate to the church. So St. Paul, the first principle, he said on the first day of the week. Again, St. Paul did not say once a month. He did not say once a year. Many people actually, they pay their tithes once a year in December before the tax season. Or some people pay their tithes once a month. But here the, the teaching is every week, on the first day of every week. That's why every time we come to the church, we need actually to bring our donation with us. Every time we come to worship, as we come to pray, as we come fasting, also we need to come also carrying our donation and our contribution with us. Because these are the three corners of worship, fasting, prayer, and charity. So when we come to worship, when we come to pray, we come fasting and also are bringing our donation with us. So everyone was directed to set aside something on the Lord's day and keep it until St. Paul comes. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. Again, St. Paul is saying each one should give with abundance, with liberty, because God loves cheerful giver. And we know that if we give with abundance, the Lord also will reward us abundantly. That's why he said, as he may prosper, as he may prosper. So in each week, everyone is to give according to his ability. St. Paul commended the people because they gave not only according to their ability, but also above and beyond their ability. This uh, a lesson for us how to be generous in our giving. And St. Paul said that there be no collections when I come. St. Paul didn't want his visit to be a visit to collect the money. So he told them, I want you to pay every week to give your donation every week. So when I come, uh, you will not misunderstood, uh, misunderstand the purpose of my visit as if I'm coming to collect the money from you. So this implies one, that the money was to be placed in the treasury of the church, in the donation box of the church. Otherwise, if they were actually storing up in their houses or laying aside this money in these houses, then uh, it would have to be collected when St. Paul comes to visit. But St. Paul told them, no, put this money in the church week by week, so when I come, 
there will be no collection. Verse 3, and when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. And St. Paul also established another principle here, that the church should select its own messengers. He told them, whomever you approve, whomever you approve. So you choose the messengers that will carry your gift, that will carry your donations to Jerusalem. But you need to support them with your letters as credentials for them. That's why he told them, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to, to, to bear your gift to Jerusalem. Verse 4, but if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. When St. Paul wrote this letter, he wasn't sure whether he would go or not. But actually, as we read in Acts chapter 19, verse 20, one, and also in Acts chapter 20, verse 3, that at the end St. Paul went and carried the donation from the people in Corinth to uh, Jerusalem. So these four verses give us many principles about uh, donating, about how to collect money for the poor. Then from verse 5 to verse 12, St. Paul shared with them some of his personal plans, and he gave some instruction about Timothy and Apollos. In verse 5, he told them, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. St. Paul most probably, he wrote this letter in spring. As he mentioned later, that he wanted to uh, stay at Ephesus until Pentecost. And as you know, Pentecost usually falls in, in May or June. So this means St. Paul, when he wrote this letter, he wrote it in the spring. And he intended to visit Macedonia and to, to spend the winter at Corinth. And actually, this what he did, he spent there three months, as we read in Acts chapter 20, verse 2 and verse 3. So he told them, I will not come to you right now, but I will come to you in the winter when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. So when I pass through Macedonia, I will stop at Corinth. Verse 6, And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. So he told them, And when I come to you, I may stay the whole winter with you. And as I told you, he stayed there three months. So he stayed some time with them. That you may send me on my journey. What he meant by this? Send me my journey means that you may give me aid. Maybe it is financial aid or 
uh, any uh, thing that he would use during his journey. So send me on my journey. He means that you give me some aid, some help uh, on my way. Or perhaps also to send company. As you know, St. Paul, his, weak, his vision was weak. So in order to travel from place to place, he needed company. So maybe that's what he meant here, that you may send me, uh, send company with me in going elsewhere. Verse 7, For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. St. Paul, he told them, I don't want to see you now. Because he, he could go uh, to Macedonia through Corinth. But he told them, no, I will not sail direct across the Asian Sea to Corinth and go from there to Macedonia. I will not do this. Because I don't want my visit to you to be a quick visit. And when I want when I come to you, I want to stay for some time. I want to, to, to remain with you for some time. So, he told them, if I come to you, I would hurry away from Korah. So I will not stay with you if I come to you right now. Because I want to, 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 to visit Macedonia. So he delayed them or postponed his visit to them until winter. Verse uh, 8, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. So he will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, which means that he was writing before Pentecost, as I told you. So if he wrote before Pentecost, this means he wrote this letter during the spring. Why do you want to stay a little bit in, Pente in Ephesus? Verse 8, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. He told them, My ministry in Ephesus was very successful. The Lord opened so many doors for me. That's why I don't want to leave Ephesus quickly. If you read in Acts chapter 19, verse 20, you will see how his ministry at Ephesus was successful. But usually, when there is a successful service, what do we expect? We expect some problems and some conflicts and some adversaries. And if you read Acts chapter 19, verse 23, you will find how Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen start their frustration and their agitation against St. Paul. That's why he told them, but there are many adversaries. So we should expect, with any successful service, we should expect some resistance and some problems and some conflict. Verse 10, And if Timothy comes, see, that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Timothy was a young man. 
And we know from Acts chapter 19, verse 22, and also from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, that Timothy and Aristos had been sent to Macedonia. And Timothy was instructed to stop at Corinth on the way. So Timothy and Aristos had been sent to Macedonia, but St. Paul instructed Timothy to stop at Corinth on the way. And Timothy was a young man. He was a youth. As we read in, in, in the letter of St. Paul to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 12, St. Paul told him, do not let anybody despise your youth. That's why St. Paul instructed them to receive him kindly. He told them that he may be with you without fear. So he's telling them to receive him kindly because he does the work of the Lord. And St. Paul was the teacher of St. Paul. But see the humbleness of St. Paul said, as I also do. So he treated Timothy as equal, although Timothy was his spiritual son. That's why in verse 11, he told them, therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Let no man therefore despise him. Do not despise him because of his young age, but treat him with honor because he is the apostle of the Lord and sent him on his journey in peace. And he told them, I'm expecting him. I am waiting for him with all the prisoners. So send him with, uh, in peace to come to me. Verse 12. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren. But he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Uh, Apollos was then at Ephesus when St. Paul wrote his letter. And it is clear that St. Paul encouraged Apollos to go with Timothy and Aristus. But for some reason, Apollos was reluctant to visit uh, Corinth at the time. So he told them, I encouraged him, I urged him to come to you with the brethren. The brethren here, he means uh, Timothy and Aristus, but he was unwilling. But he told them he is unwilling right now, but later on he will come to you when the time is convenient. And actually we learned from this passage how as a father he was sharing his plans with his children. As a spiritual father who was sharing his plans with his spiritual children. 
I am planning to go here, I'm planning to stay here, I will send this person, I urge a police to come to you. This how the relationship between the spiritual father and his children should be. Then from verse 13 to verse 18, St. Paul gives them some final exhortation. These are short instruction, short verses and short instruction. He told them in verse 13, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Four short commandments in one verse. Four short commandments in one verse. Watch. Watch means what? Watch against all your enemies, whether the seen, like the false teachers and false prophets, or the unseen, like Satan. Watchfulness is needed in our spiritual warfare. Watchfulness is the alarm that will go off when there is a, a danger threatening your spiritual life. Without this alarm, maybe you will lose your spiritual life or you risk your spiritual life. That's why we need to be watchful. The Lord Jesus Christ said, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation, which means without watchfulness, there is big possibility that we fall into temptation. Stand fast in the faith. Because there are many false prophets. Don't let these false prophets and false teachers shake your faith or cast doubt in your faith. But trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. And be strong in your faith. Trust the Lord even if you don't see him with your eyes, but you see him with your heart. Be strong in your faith. Be brave with courage and patience. Spiritual warfare requires the person to be brave, to be courageous. Fear is a big obstacle to our spiritual warfare. And fear actually is a sign of uh, lack of faith. The Lord rebuked the disciples and rebuked the peoples many times because they are afraid and he explained this fear because the lack of their faith. Do not be afraid, O you, of little faith. That's why after St. Paul said, be stand fast in the faith, he said, be brave. If you have faith, if you have confidence in God, then you need to be courageous. Be strong. Again, be strong to do and to execute God's will. But how can we get this strength? This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. As the Lord said to St. Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. So we are weak, but if we rely on the power of God, and if we trust his power, then his power will be made perfect in us, the weak. 
and thus we will be strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Let all that you do be done with love. The church at Corinth had many problems and many divisions. People were separated into groups. At least there were four groups in the church of Corinth. And they were divided against each other. That's why if everything was done in love, love would prevent the divisions which he had rebuked them uh, about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 10, and chapter 3, verse 3, and chapter 11, verse 18. So love here is the remedy against division. If we are divided against one another, this means we are lacking love. But because love covers multitudes of sin, but if we love one another, then actually there will be no divisions among us. Verse 15. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. St. Paul is the one who baptized the household of Stephanas, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 16. He baptized them. And he described them as the first fruits. What did he mean by the first fruit? First fruits means they are the first convert at Corinth, the first people converted to Christianity and uh, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ in the church of Corinth. That's why they should be respected, honored, and revered. What he meant by uh, that they have uh, that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the same that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us St. Paul said you need actually to honor them and to revere them to be obedient to them and to be content to be ruled by them to be content to be ruled by them why? because they devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, devoted themselves to the service. It's clear when they believed they were the first people to believe in Corinth. That's why the service of the church was assigned to them. So they devoted themselves to serving the church. And St. Paul, as a father here, supporting the servants, who are serving with him, said to them, if they devoted themselves to the ministry of God, in verse 16, you need to submit to them and to everyone who works and labors with us. And this actually teaches us a lesson. We need to respect the servants. We need actually to help them and support them in their service. Verse 17, 
I am glad about the coming of Stephanas, Fortunatus, and Acacius, for what was lacking on your part they supplied. It is clear that the household of Stephanas, beside also Fortunatus and Acacius, uh, they bestowed themselves and their goods uh, to the service of God. That's why St. Paul told them, you need to respect, honor, and uh, obey them, submit to them. Fortunatus and Achacius were not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. That is the only place in which we read about these two persons, Fortunatus and Achacius. <coughs> but St. Paul actually uh, praised these three, Stephanas, Fortunatus and Achacius. So, and he told them, uh, what la was lacking on your part, they supplied. What you couldn't do, they did. So that's why they should be honored and should be respected by you. Maybe these three uh, carried the letter from the church of Corinth to St. Paul, as we read in First Corinthians chapter one, chapter seven, verse one, that there was a letter uh, from Corinth to St. Paul. Maybe these three persons carried the letter to uh, St. Paul, and St. Paul wrote the response, which is the First Corinthians, and then actually they carried back this letter to the Corinthians, and he told them. For they refreshed my spirit and use, therefore acknowledge such men. They refreshed my spirit because what you couldn't do, because of your absence, they did for me. And why they did it? Because of love. That's why my spirit was refreshed by them. And not only my spirit, but also your spirit was also refreshed. <coughs> Hell, his spirit. Because these people carried good report about many of the Corinthians to St. Paul. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 to verse 8, that St. Paul heard the good news about the Corinthians. Who carried this news? Stephanas, Fortunatus, and Achacus. That's why St. Paul said, they refreshed my spirit and your spirit. Your spirit because they told me about the uh, good news about you, how you are steadfast in your faith. And also they refreshed your spirit because they carried my letter back to you. They refreshed my spirit and your spirit. Therefore, acknowledge such men. Acknowledge that such men means render them due acknowledgments. Help, receive them kindly. Know them in their true worth. Give them the honor they deserve. Treat them with respect and with honor because they are worthy to be received kindly 
and treat it with honor. Then we come to the last five verses of the chapter in which St. Paul gives them his final greetings, his benediction and farewell. Verse 19, the churches of Asia greet you. Quella and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Asia here doesn't mean the continent of Asia. But there was a Roman province called Asia, and the capital of this province was Ephesus. So when St. Paul said the churches of Asia greet you, he is referring to the Roman province of Asia, of which Ephesus was the capital. And actually we read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 11, about the seven churches of Asia. Then he mentioned Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord. Aquila and Priscilla used to live at Corinth, but afterward they had gone to Ephesus, as we read in Acts chapter 18, verse 2 and verse 26. That's why, because they used to live in Corinth, they are sending their greeting from their heart. They are sending partly greeting to the church at Corinth. With the church that is in their house. As you know, the early church had no church buildings and would meet in private houses. One of these houses was the house of Aquila and Priscilla. So the house of Aquila and Priscilla was a place uh, for the meeting of the church. That's why when he said the church in the house, he meant the church that assembled in the house of Aquila and Priscilla. Verse 20, all the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. The holy kiss is the token of mutual love. That's why in the Divine Liturgy, the deacon says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The holy kiss is a symbol that we love one another, that we forgive one another, that we are reconciled with one another, that we are one with one another. That's why before we take communion, we need to greet one another with a holy kiss. It is a symbol of our love, our forgiveness, our uh, reconciliation and our oneness. That's why he told them, all the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. Verse 21, the salutation with my own hand falls. As I told you, the vision of St. Paul was weak. That's why St. Paul's letters were written by others. But St. Paul used to add his signature at the end. Or maybe he adds also a salutation by his own hand as a proof that this letter is a genuine letter. When he signed the letter and when he added his salutation. 
That's why he told them, uh, the salutation with my own hands, Paul. This is my signature, and these two verses are written by my own hand, the benediction and my salutation. Especially, there were false letters circulating. That's why St. Paul used to sign his letters in order to avoid uh, the false letters and also as a sign of uh, authenticity of the letter. In verse 22, he warned them against not loving the Lord Jesus Christ. He told them, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. O Lord, come, Maran Athens. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Those who do not love the Lord are his enemies, either enemies to his person, or enemies to his church, or enemies to the doctrines, or enemies to the commandments of God. That's why St. Paul said, if anybody does not love the Lord, then let him be accursed. Accursed means let him be destroyed. And instead of receiving a blessing, he would receive a curse. And it was the custom with the Jews that when they pronounce like a curse or anathema or excommunication, they used to add this serious expression, Maran Atha. Maran Atha means the Lord comes or O Lord come. Why after they pronounce execution, excommunication or anathema? Why they, they, they used to say, O Lord, come? Because the Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay it, says the Lord. So if they are pronouncing anathema, they are saying, O Lord, come to execute vengeance upon this person. Because you said, vengeance is mine. I will repay it, says the Lord. So that's why whenever they say anathema, they followed by the Syriac expression Maran Atha, or which means O Lord come. And here St. Paul said, Let him be accursed, Maran Atha, O Lord come. Verse 23. In verse 21, St. Paul says, Salutation by my own hand. What is this salutation? The salutation actually is in 23. In 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the benediction. And this grace actually is only for the believers. This benediction and this blessing only for the believer. But the unbelievers and the enemies of the Lord are excluded. That's why before he said his benediction and his salutation, he, he warned them uh, if they do not love the Lord Jesus Christ, 
they would be accursed. And he concluded uh, by saying, verse 24, My love be with you, or in Christ Jesus. Amen. As if he is saying, when I rebuked you in the whole letters for all the problems that you have, or when I said, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. This rebuke, this rebuke actually is pro prompted by my love in Christ you. I discipline you and I rebuke you because I care about you and because I love you as your spiritual father. You are not my enemies. So if there is any discipline, the discipline here is a sign of love, not a sign of enmity. That's why you want to affirm that my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. So this love embraced all who love the Lord Jesus Christ. This love embraces all who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And this actually concludes the, this chapter and concludes the whole uh, letter uh, of St. Paul to Corinth. Glory be to God forever and ever.